this day. We come here today to worship, praise, and honor you, our Heavenly Father. We know we can always depend upon you in all things. You are our provider, our creator, our shepherd, and our healer. May we always glorify you in everything that we do. Now, Lord, bless us as we continue with the United Methodist Women's Worship Service this morning. We ask this all in Jesus' name, amen.
test. Uh, they, they asked me to talk about the United Methodist Women, and uh, I'm going to paraphrase what our purpose is. Can you hear me? No? Yeah. Now? Okay. <laughs> Um, it's a community of women that get together and support one another and we raise money for missions and we, for national missions and uh, also in our community. I think you have a, a little list of some of the projects we've done. Um, we ha this is a group of women, you can, to join it you just, you will enjoy it because it gives you a uh, a small group, another small group, we talk about them all the time, it gives you another small group to be part of, and we nurture one another in these small groups. We know what is going on in your family, or you, if you have a problem, if you're sad, if you're happy, if you had a child. These sm the small groups that you're part of, and the larger group of the United Methodist Women, are, are your family just like the church is. We have in the past been a very large um, organization, and, but our main, mission, main thing was to send missionaries. And um, my late husband and his wife were missionaries to Cuba and to Argentina. We women sent them, not the church, but the women. It used to be called the WSCS, uh, Women's Society of Christian Service. And then it became when we united, United Methodist Women. And we have missionaries all over the world. We have some in Ukraine right now. And I hope we're all praying for them during this terrible time. Uh, we have a sewing circle that makes um, um, blankets, not blankets, quilts for um, children, I mean, mothers that need help. We have a Howell Irwin Medical Fund, which is very important. If you have a loved one and you want to give a memorial, you may think of the Howell Irwin Medical Fund because it gives money uh, to pay for, for, for prescriptions for those people who can't afford their medication. There are just lots of things that we do. We get together once a month, we have a program, we may have a fashion show, we may have a picnic, but um, whatever we do, we do it together in love. I hope if you're not a member of the United Methodist Women, you'll think about joining and be a part of us. It's a good, good group. Thank y'all, and let's finish this up with a, a great sermon from Sheila.
join us and stand as you're able for our opening hymn, number 327.
Let us bow our heads as we go to the Lord in prayer. Eternal God, our Heavenly Father, your people who have been called by your name have come into your house to worship you. Lord, we pray that our worship will not be in vain. Please create in us clean hearts and renew a right spirit in us. As we approach your throne, dear Lord, we ask you to forgive us of our transgressions. Please give us the mind and heart that we should have to come before you. We come, Lord, because you are God, our Father. You made the universe, but still we call you Father. What a privilege, Lord, how thankful we are that we do have a heavenly Father like you. Lord, we come at this time praising you for all of our blessings. We know, Lord, that some time ago we had to stop coming together, calling on your name as a group, as a family. Lord, we never want that to happen again. We always want to be able to come into your house, pray, give thanks, and Lord, we come seeking your grace and your mercy, your strength and endurance, so that we can go back into the world out there and be strong and be dutiful and mindful of your will and your way. Lord, we come this morning thanking you for all things and all things being as well as they are with all of us. We thank you, Lord, for the hard times, how we've come to know you through it all, that we have come and been your children, knelt at your throne of grace and sought mercy. Sometimes we're hard. Our life was dreary. We were sick. We were hurting, we were in sorrow. We lost many loved ones. But Lord, you brought us through to this point in time. For your purpose, Lord, we are here. And we thank you for this privilege. May we never take it in vain. May we always realize how blessed we are to be able to be here. Lord, we thank you for your wisdom and your, your, your trust that we can put in you. We thank you for all the things that you have done for us and given us. Lord, we now ask you to bless those who are downtrodden. We ask you to, all over the world, people are suffering. We don't know why, Lord. We can't understand all things, but we know you care, Lord, and we thank you for your caring and your love. Lord, we thank you that we have a church to come into. We have friends and loved ones. You are ever with us. So many blessings, we can't count everyone. But we thank you, Lord. We thank you over and over again. Now, Lord, we ask you to give us a righteous mind, a mind to do your will, that we can go from this place and, and advocate you be your ambassadors. 
that we can glorify you in all our words and all of our deeds. Lord, we ask that you will lead us, take care of us. Don't turn us over, Lord, to a reparate mind, but let us forever be able to discern good from evil. Sometimes there are voices calling in every direction, Lord. We want to know you. Hear your voice, Lord. Know your voice when you speak to us. Lord, we came this morning to hear a word from you. We know that we'll be blessed when we do. We know that you can teach us. We want you to order our steps in your word, dear Lord, that we will walk the way you would have us to walk. We want you to give us, Lord, strength and endurance for this journey that we have. We come, Lord, asking you to give us more love for one another. Help us, Lord, to be less critical of one another. Help us, Lord, to have patience with one another, to try our best to care for one another and do what is good for one another. We pray for those people, Lord, in, in the, in the war-torn zones all over the world that are hurting, that are in sorrow, that are sick, that don't know where to go, how to go. Lord, but we know you care and you know, and in you we put our trust. Let us never be put to confusion. Lord, we ask that you will be with us and guide us on our way. And when we have left this place, we will be blessed from having come this way this morning. Lord, we thank you, we love you, and our Lord, I thank you for hearing and answering my prayer. In the name of Jesus, amen.
say, as, I think as Sam would say, thank you, choir. Your singing is beautiful this morning. I'm going to read a reading from the book of John, chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails, and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today, um, I want to begin by recognizing United Methodist women. So I'd like to ask um, if you're an active United Methodist woman uh, or in the United Methodist Women's Organization in our church, would you please stand? And then if you would remain standing for just a moment, I'd like to invite you and all of the women that are here today in the church to stand up for a moment. Every, all the women in the church stand up. So um, as uh, I think Julie Nolan and Barbara Bennett and Hazel Oliver and many people that have gone before have said, if you are a woman and you are in the church, you are a United Methodist woman. And we invite you to be a part of this wonderful uh, organization and mission and service. And uh, we thank you for all that you do for the church. Thank you. So um, let's begin with a word of prayer. Open our hearts, O oh Lord. Open our ears to hear your word and know your voice. Speak to our hearts and strengthen our minds that we may serve you today, now, and always. Amen. So today is still Easter. In fact, for Easter people, every day is Easter, and it brings an opportunity for a new life in Jesus Christ. We are very familiar with the Easter story. 
and all of the many scriptures in the Gospels and the book of Acts that follow the events that unfolded for the next 50 days. Today, we picked up the story in the Gospel of John with the disciples hiding in the upper room. They still did not fully understand the good news that Mary and the women had brought. And in fact, Thomas insisted on seeing for himself. If we're honest with ourselves and place ourselves in Thomas's shoes, we would likely have asked for the same proof. Surely this was an event that needed to be experienced to truly be understood. Thomas was simply asking for what the other disciples had already received, an encounter with Christ. And Christ answered him, appearing once again as the disciples were gathered behind the locked doors. We misplace our focus if we only see Thomas's doubt. Jesus doesn't scold him. Jesus meets Thomas exactly where he is amid his doubts, his questions, his fears, and his troubles. Jesus meets him there right where he stands and he offers peace. He, instead of excluding Thomas, reaches out to him. Though the other disciples rejoiced and were joy-filled at the sight of Jesus, Thomas truly confesses and claims Jesus, my Lord and my God. And in this encounter with Thomas, Jesus also offers a blessing to those who will believe without seeing. That's you and me, by the way. Like the disciples, we stand in a Good Friday world. We've heard the good news of Christ's resurrection. We've been told the story of the empty tomb and we believe. But we may be fear-filled and this fear can prevent us from living out our fate in bold and visible ways. But Christ comes to us just as he came to Thomas amid all of our fears and uncertainty, and he is still stepping into the room with us and saying to you and me today, peace be with you, as the Father sent me, so I send you. So we are witnesses. So Google tells me what a witness is. That's what you do, you ask Google, right? Attestation of a fact or event, one that gives evidence, one asked to be present at a transaction so as to be able to testify as to it having taken place, one who has personal knowledge of something, something service, serving as evidence or proof, or public affirmation by word or example of usually religious faith or convictions. According to Google, there are three types of witnesses. There are eyewitnesses, expert witnesses, and character witnesses. Certainly, the women at the tomb and the disciples were eyewitnesses. They played an important role sharing the good news of the resurrection on that first Easter. And it's not unusual for the credibility and veracity of an eyewitness to be questioned. But despite the fact that the women that witnessed the resurrection were first considered nonsense by the disciples, word of the res resurrection was spread and people began to believe. Probably missing from that first Easter morning were any expert witnesses. Ex Expert witnesses are often called to verify facts and testify to evidence based on scientific principles or other analysis. Certainly neither the women who witnessed the resurrection nor the disciples who witnessed Jesus returning had the knowledge or training to be considered expert witnesses. But over the course of the last 2,000 years, many expert witnesses have examined the circumstances around Jesus' death, the burial cloth, the tomb, and all the facts, 
and experts now point to the credibility of these first witnesses. Finally, there are character witnesses. A character witness is someone who's close enough to a person to really know them and to be able to tell others about that person. A character witness testifies to the virtues and morals of another person. That's you and me. We are witnesses for Jesus Christ, and here's how. First of all, God is with us. Before we ever knew him or believe, God is there. Ephesians 4, 7 tells us that to each one of us, grace has been given. Isn't that what John Wesley talked about when he described provenient grace? God acting in our lives long before we know it. The Bible puts it this way, God shows his love for us because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5, 8. Next, we believe, we invite him to step into the room of our hearts and we come to know him as our savior. At that moment, we begin our journey as his witness. We are witnesses becomes our identity in Christ. Jesus is constantly working in us and through us. Our role as witnesses comes with the territory, whether we make a conscious decision to be a witness or not. Our very lives become our witness for Jesus. And it is not only by our actions, but our lack of action that others will see the character of Jesus through us. We are witnesses is not only who we are, but how others see Jesus through us. It does not depend on our readiness or our responsiveness. It just is. And there's good news. If it was up to us, we'd make every excuse imaginable to relinquish such, good, such responsibility. We'd convince ourselves that we need more time, that we need to know more, that we need to be more qualified to take on his calling. Because witnessing is not optional. It's not an occasional activity of faith. It's not something we can do one day and then decide not to do the next. We can't take the day off from witnessing. It's constant and it's a way of life. It's who we are. So we are witnesses. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. On Christmas Eve at Gadsden First, we have a wonderful tradition of passing the light of Jesus Christ throughout the congregation. The lights are lowered and the candles are lit one by one until the entire church is filled with candlelight accompanied by the beautiful singing of Silent Night. Often as we conclude the worship service, we silently take the lighted candles out of the sanctuary and into the world. This is a beautiful picture of how Jesus' people are sharing the light of his life and love with the world. And we are called to share his light, not just at Christmas, but every day. So how do we do that? First, I'd like to challenge you to share his love and be a witness through your generosity. For 175 years, women have been serving in ministry and changing lives at First United Methodist Church of Gadsden. Today, we honor them at United Methodist Women's Sunday. In the history archives, we find women like Mrs. M.P. Hughes who taught children's Sunday school for 60 years. Can you imagine? 60 years. Miss Beth Kimball, who has served for an unknown number of years in our children's Sunday school department. And women like Hazel Oliver, who welcomed and greeted for too many years to count at the door to my right. So many years, in fact, that that entrance to our sanctuary is known as the Hazel Oliver entrance. We witness through the generosity of gifts, through our tithes and our offerings, through our Alleluia offering. The Howell Irwin Medical Fund was established in 1961 by a United Methodist woman in honor of her son who had passed away. 
And this fund has been administered by UMW since that time. That's over 60 years, approximately $30,000 in the last 10 years alone has gone to provide prescription medications to those in need in our community. This assistance has been given through this fund and we are still doing that today. Our benevolence fund, monies from this fund go directly to assistance for people who come to our church in need. Your generosity for our benevolence fund at the special communion offerings each month make this possible. Often to meet these needs, we partner with other agencies in the community. Susan Swan is fabulous at discerning needs and providing assistance, and these requests come in every week and sometimes daily. Our mission fund, both the church mission and UMW missions provides funds on a monthly basis or quarterly basis to many of our nonprofit organizations in our community. Over the course of the past decade, UMW missions through fundraisers and offerings have given over $100,000 to local and regional missions. Each year, our own UMW women are challenged to take part in something called the World Thank Offering. United Methodists around the world support missions through this offering, and they do that by saving spare change, putting a dollar or two here and there in a special offering container. The coins that they save, now you know why there's a coin shortage. The coins that they save throughout the year for the World Thank Offering help to fulfill the purpose of United Methodist Women, turning faith, hope, and love into action on behalf of women, children, and youth around the world. Your generosity to UMCOR, the United Methodist Committee on Relief, and the United Methodist Children's Home, now Alabama Kids, is a testament to your love for Jesus Christ and the work that he's doing through these organizations. Your response to needs across our community and country for things like tornado relief or across the world for support for Ukraine is a witness to his love. We also witness through serving. When I first came to First United Methodist Church, new to Gadsden, a mother of four young children, all of whom were in, under the age of six, the early learning center that was then known as the Mother's Day Out program, and the Children's Sunday School here at Gadsden First welcomed me and my family to Gadsden First United Methodist Church. Quickly, it became clear that as we visited First United Methodist Church and were in the process of visiting other churches in the area, that Gadsden First would become our home. My daughter Kelsey, who was two at the time, would uh, say, I want to go to my church on Sunday morning. And she was referring to Gadsden First instead of that other church down the block because this was her church because she was coming here to the Early Learning Center. In Sunday school, women like Jane Trotter, Jean Holtzford, Judy Loveman, Dottie Ivey, Beth Kimball, Gail McNair took the time to answer God's call and were teaching Sunday school each week. As my children grew to be in youth, their lives were touched by more dedicated teachers like Lisa and Leon Goodwin, David Ford, Jennifer Blunt, Carmen and Michael McKevin, just to name a few. Each of these persons felt the call of God on their lives. Just as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. Today, we still need volunteers to teach our children and often on our small groups, Sunday schools. We need volunteers who are not their parents to step into their lives. If you can read and share God's love, you can teach a children's Bible study class. And guess what? The background check and safe sanctuary policy is almost painless. Here's a news flash too. 
grandparents make great Sunday school teachers. Is God calling you? On Wednesday night, youth and children come to our church for Bible study and fun activities. And you have an opportunity to serve there alongside Catherine Barnes and Andy Yarnell, who are fantastic and dedicated to our youth and children. They do a phenomenal job. But they can't do it alone. You have an opportunity and a responsibility. Remember our baptismal covenant? Ask each of us to affirm that we will help to raise these children in Jesus Christ to show love, kindness, and mercy, and to teach children and youth about Jesus. People like Catherine Barnes and Carmen and Michael McKibben have been doing it for years just by showing up and lending a hand in our children and youth ministry. Women like Denise Floyd have worked tirelessly for many years, long since her own children have outgrown VBS to help design sets and decorate for Bible school. Susan Copeland, who has been a crew leader for over 25 years at Vacation Bible School, has been very dedicated. United Methodist Women offers opportunities for fellowship, Bible study, devotions, accountability through circles, missions, and service. Their once a month programs and lunch. UMW supports many ministries and nonprofits in our community. UMW provides opportunities for church-wide connection and fellowship at receptions and gatherings throughout the year. One of my favorite stories that Susan Copeland found in Jane Bug's History of Gadsden First United Methodist Women, which is volumes thick up in our history archive, was of the women who were part of the United Methodist Women at the time going by horse and wagon to a mission meeting up on the mountain in Crossville. Now those were some United Methodist women who were serious about missions. Did you know that UMW Circles as an organized group at Gadsden First have provided fellowship, Christian friendship and accountability for over a hundred years? Our mission team has a special mission focus every month. There are lots of ways to get involved with missions. Stripland Adopted School Project, the Christmas Stockings, the Love Center, and many more. Gadsden First mission focus for April was RAM. Yesterday, First United Methodist Gadsden's mission team fed lunch to over 435 volunteers at RAM. And many of our members participated and are still participating today as RAM will continue until about 6 p.m. tonight to help in administrative areas or with medical, dental, or vision areas of the RAM clinic. The week before last, volunteers organized and served meals for our Holy Week, serving over 150 guests. Did you know that Jesus often shared a table and met with many uh, people over meals? The wedding at Cana, feeding the 5,000, Zacchaeus, the Last Supper, breakfast on the beach, and the disciples, and many others. Our annual church picnic is just two weeks away. The men at the well will be cooking hamburgers and hot dogs, so you need to put that on your calendar. It's May 11th. Volunteers are needed to create this welcoming fellowship opportunity. Do you have the gift of hospitality? Maybe Jesus is calling you. Every Friday, our Ladle of Love Soup Kitchen feeds those who are hungry in our community, not only feeding them physically, but spiritually, as they share kindness and love. The vision for Ladle of Love started in 2009. Well, maybe it started long before that, but in 2009, a woman in our church mentioned to the pastor that she had always dreamed of starting a soup kitchen. And that pastor's response was, what's stopping you? The vision for ministry from Pat and Stan Walker became a reality within a year, becoming known as Ladle of Love. 
And over the past 12 years, it's estimated that over 70,000 meals have been served at Ladle of Love. Teams were formed, and guess what? Many of those teams are led by women. Anyone, men and women, are welcome to serve at Ladle of Love. It's a once-a-month commitment on a Friday morning that is changing lives. Our clothes closet is waiting on you, too. Twice a month, Gadsden First Clothes Closet is open to the public to make free, gently used clothing available to those in our community who have a need. Providing a welcoming and pleasant shopping experience shares the love of Jesus Christ with each person who visits our clothes closet. There are many opportunities to come and sort and organize clothing and prepare the clothes closet for these shopping days. Maybe you or you and your small group wants to take a turn to volunteer to do this. And there are many other ways for everyone to serve. The altar guild, worship teams, we are all witnesses through our service. How is God calling you to serve? Finally, I want to challenge you that we are witnesses through love and kindness. So today, wake up for just a moment and help me do some math. Do we have any math people here? Anybody that really just loves numbers? Okay, uh, conservatively, let's just say that I might personally come in contact with 10 people in the course of my day. That's 10 people that have an opportunity to bless, to change their lives even in some small way with a word of kindness. And if each of you also have 10 opportunities a day to touch someone's life, let's do a little bit of math here. The worship totals for this past week at Easter were 336 people in person worship at Gadsden First. So 336 times 10 opportunities to touch someone's lives. How much is that? 3,360. Very good. All right. Now let's take that 3,360 and multiply it times 365 days in a year. Who can give me that number? Okay. All right. That's actually going to be a wow number. Uh, somebody have it back there? That's right. 1,226,400 times. Wow. When I first did that on my calculator, I had to do it again because I thought that couldn't possibly be right. But the people of Gadsden First have an opportunity to touch over one million people's lives in the course of one year, and that's probably a conservative estimate. So what does it look like to show the love and kindness to be a blessing to someone else? First, it's by our presence. Isn't it easy to be caught up in our everyday lives to be present with others? I must admit I'm guilty. I think I tend to be more of a Martha than a Mary. You know what I mean, always doing something. So often, I must remind myself to stop and take time to listen and find out what is really going on with another person. And isn't that what we need most when times are difficult or things are not going our way or when we've received bad news about our health or experienced a disappointment? By being present in the moment, we are sharing love the way that Jesus did. Jesus often took the time to talk to ordinary people like you and me. In Mark 1, 32 through 34, we hear that that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, 
and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. Jesus often recognized a need and started conversations. A Samaritan woman at the well, John 4, 7 through 42. The crippled beggar by the pool in John 5, 1 through 15. People approached Jesus and Jesus responded to them. Over 25 examples are given in the Gospels. The rich young ruler in Matthew 19. Jairus, the synagogue ruler in Mark 5. The woman who touched Jesus' robe in Mark 5. Just as Jesus took time to meet Thomas right where he was in his moment of doubt and stepped into that room, he is there with us as we are being kind to others, as we are being present with them. Secondly, we can show love by extending kindness, recognizing others' needs and reaching out to help them. How we act in the ordinary moments from day to day probably says more about our witness than any one single grand act that we could do. Love sees the image of God in the neighbor. Love measures our neighbor's plight according to the full flourishing, abundant life that God intends for each of us and, he ta and takes note of the difference. Love sees the reality of suffering. In John 10, 10 it says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. When we are uncertain how to listen or what to say, we need to remember that God is always present. God is there before us. Each time we partake of Holy Communion, we respond to God's invitation to live in peace with one another. We confess our sins, accept God's forgiveness, and we become ambassadors of Christ, offering one another signs of reconciliation and love. We ask for God's blessing. By your spirit, make us one with Christ one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world. Cindy Andrade Johnson works with refugees in Brownsville, Texas, across the border from Matamoros, Mexico. She's entered into the story of these people's lives and become an advocate for many women and children who are desperate in need of food, shelter, and clothing. She's created a way for those women and children's stories to be heard, and she offers food shelter, and clothing, meeting their basic needs. Cindy says this, you will never look into the eyes of someone whom God does not love. Always be kind. So right now, let's look at our fingers. I ask everyone to hold your hands face up in front of you with your palms open to God, 10 fingers, each finger representing one person that you can show or bless each day. It's that simple. Your hands will serve as a daily reminder for you to share God's love with, your, with 10 people and that blessing will be multiplied. So Easter comes with expectation. Becoming an Easter people is a calling, a mission, and an invitation to join in the story. Jesus breathes new life into the disciples. Peace be with you as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. Then he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit and we are witnesses. We are witnesses through our generosity, our service, and through showing love and kindness to others. How many of you watch some type of TV show or series by live stream? Many of you probably have watched one over the course of last year or two. You may have even gotten hooked on something. Do you ever binge watch those series? Episode after episode, you get to the end of it, of that episode, and the next one starts immediately and you just have to see what happens next. Before you know it, you've gotten to the 
end of the season and you have to wait maybe a whole year for the premiere of the next season. Do you remember Paul Harvey's The Rest of the Story? Paul Harvey was an American newscaster beginning as a part of his newscaster in World War II and then premiering later as its own series. He did the rest of the story from World War II up through his death in 2009. The rest of the story consisted of stories presented as little known or forgotten facts on a variety of subjects with a twist, usually with some key element of the story, like the name of the person who might have been well known, being held back until the end. The broadcast always concluded with a variation of the tagline, and now you know the rest of the story. As Easter people, we know the rest of the story. We know the gift of abundant and eternal life in Jesus Christ. So today I challenge you, we are witnesses. Go and be the rest of Jesus' story. Let us pray. We ask your blessing on all your witnesses and on this special day as we celebrate United Methodist Women, may you strengthen them and all who serve in Jesus' name. I ask each of you to join me in this prayer with your palms open upward to the Lord. Lord, forgive me and heal me. Make me yours. Help me to live my life as your witness so that each day I take your light and love into the world that others may know your gift of abundant life. Amen.
the board.